0: I I thought that Martin Luther King fixed everything. Right. I didn't know that there was still hate. I didn't know that you were called the N-word when we were in elementary school. I didn't know that you were pulled over for being black when we were in high school.
1: Welcome to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. I'm Gloria Harrison, a TV producer living in New York, and
0: I'm Carrie Clifford, an actor and writer living in Los Angeles. We first met in elementary school outside Boston.
1: When I was part of a program that bused kids from the inner city to school in the suburbs. We're going to talk about privilege and disadvantage. And about what it's like to move from one world to another without really feeling at home in either. In this podcast, we're having conversations about race. And the awkwardness that comes with learning about people from another culture.
0: So we've been wanting to address some questions that we've gotten from listeners, some heady questions, right?
1: Right. We're finally getting around to it. And it's been on my mind, like, okay, Gloria, you got to stop what you're doing between all the other things, the fundraising and our events and being moms and our careers. We still have had these questions that we have been wanting to get uh, to. So I'm excited that we're going to do that on this episode, girl.
0: (laughs) Oh, wait, but let me just also just say, like, we love that people DM us and text us all these questions and comments, but it, it only helps the podcast if you guys do it on Apple Podcasts. So... You know, continue to send us these questions and stuff. But but if you can comment on Apple Podcasts, it just helps. I don't know their algorithm and stuff, right? Yes, so. <laughs> yeah,
1: we need that because I'm, I carry. I'll call her late at night and I'm like, girl, I'm literally reading three paragraphs and we see Gregory laughing. We're like, if we just wish, if they could just take one sentence of that and just give your thoughts, it would only help us. So if you're listening, I know you are, please do us that solid. Yeah, form. do us a solid. Yes.
0: But we're still going to answer the questions, you know, so yeah. But so, uh, but it's been great that people, I feel like, are comfortable reaching out to us about things. And I get a lot of, can you ask Gloria her opinion on this? You know, and you get a lot of, you know, I'm assuming the same kind of thing. Like people, no, no, no,
1: they mostly ask me questions, but then they say, yeah, there's some, but I like that it's, it's, it's opening a lot of conversation where more white people are saying, ask Gloria this. I love that. Yeah. I don't get yeah. a lot of, in the beginning, I'll tell you what I was getting. Gloria, stop talking so much. Tell Carrie to talk more. Tell your <laughs> wife, friend to talk more. And I would get mad because I'm like, y'all saying I'm talking too much? You're like, no, we, and you know what they said? We want to hear from her. Right.
0: And I think I was, and I still am, conscious of like, okay, we've heard from a lot of white women. And also when we started was the whole like Karen thing. You know, I'm like, oh. let me just amplify a black voice. Let me take a <laughs> moment back, you know. But um, but your friends can still a- ask you to ask me things.
1: <laughs> of well, you know, this one person we're not going to call her name out. There's a listener who has a question for you at literally at every episode, and you know who the person. Yeah. Is. yeah. <laughs> so you do have questions, and that's love right. It. So that's awesome too to know that people do really do want to hear what you're saying too. And that's a yeah. thing, Gloria. You know, let Carrie talk more. I said I'm not the boss of Carrie. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you're the one who's actually bossy. They think it's me on the podcast. I said, no, behind the scenes, she's like, listen, you didn't write hashtag. Could you go in and comment?
0: Hey. I got to <laughs> remind you, you know that social media is not your strong point. And so you, you got to <laughs> like and comment when people comment. Come on. That's just, it keeps the algorithm going. <laughs>
1: Speaking of not my strong point, um, the audio is not my strong point. Girl, none of this is my strong point. i just want to talk. I don't want to press but- the cord. I don't want to like do anything that works that it takes to put this together. I just want to- I know,
0: you're getting out of your comfort zone. I think it is amazing when we can be like as old as we are and you're still like learning new skills or yes. doing things that make you feel uncomfortable. Like, right? That, right? I mean, it's, it's good.
1: It's good, it's so good. So listen, the first thing I want to um, address is uh, actually a question from a Mecco parent. And she said, I've been listening to your podcast and keeping my ears open. Um, but my son, who is a Mecco student, um, I don't want to put her name out there because I don't know if she wants that. Um, yeah. He's in kindergarten. But personally, I've always kept him in sports in the neighborhood to keep him connected to his neighborhood. But what's your take on this? I'm wondering. And so mm. to, to that Mecco pr- uh, parent, I would say um, keep doing what you're doing. When I was growing up uh, in Dorchester, um, most of my sports were uh, in Wayland right? Mm -hmm. But my mom did have us on a bowling team. I was also very involved in the church. And that meant a lot to me because I got to see more kids that looked like me. So if you can, I would say To give him balance in his life, allow him to do stuff in the neighborhood, be it Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, it gives him a sense of pride of where he comes from and also see more kids that look like him. And um, also at the same time, being a part of the the Wayland um, school system and and, and engaging in sports, that's fun too. But trying to find the balance is key.
0: And that's so hard, right? Trying to find that balance. And I know you know, you've said that because that because you did like you just said, like you did bowling and you did things like where you lived, but then you did a lot in Wayland and it kind of made you feel like a guest in both places.
1: Right. And I struggle with that, as I've mentioned in the past. And so I would say to the parent, um, try to do both because, yeah, Carrie, you talked about it. Like there were birthday parties, there were school events after school that Mecco kids, we simply couldn't go to because there was no late bus. Right. Yeah. And so I know that, this parent, her child must be going, her son must be experiencing the same thing. And, and so I wish that I would have done more. Like I, I actually, now that I recall, I did the talent shows in, in Dorchester. I went to the Kite Festival. I did things, but I, looking back, one, I wish I would have had more of that. I wish right. I had more of that because it was easier for me to do on the weekends to go there. And had I done more, even if it was just the weekends, I don't think I would have felt as much of a guest uh, in Dorchester as I did because it would have been more balanced.
0: But do you think that there was resentment from the Dorchester kids? Like, oh, there's Gloria. She's going to that, you know, that white school. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, kind that,
1: of- Hold up. Wayland was rated one of the top wealthiest high schools in the country when yeah. we were going. So yeah, they felt some kind of way. Because yeah. that's where I learned, you know, all I, like I said, the Birkenstocks, that's where I learned my loafers to pop my collar underneath yeah. <laughs> the <underneath laughs> sweater and to be like, oh my God, like, what are you guys doing? They, right. they say to me, why the hell does she talk like that? I, they used to tell me I was talking like a valley girl and I would laugh right. and I didn't know what they meant. So, yeah, I think there was some resentment. And so for the the listener, your son, I, I feel what he feels because you are looked at like that when really you didn't ask for any of it. Right. Like I was just trying to uh, legit fit in. Right. Fit in and didn't know that I was talking like how I thought some of the kids in Wayland spoke until I was in Dorchester, Dorchester in the playground and I saw kids like laughing. Like, why are you talking? Right. Like, talking like what? And I was like, Oh, okay.
0: But then you probably felt the same thing in Wayland, that Wayland kids are like, why do you talk like that? And why don't you put your collar up and, you know, or <laughs> right. whatever, and that, right? And
1: hence that comes to code switching. We right. don't realize it, but I learned the code switching like very early. Yeah. remember I said, I don't even know. I know many people didn't know that's what it was called. But yeah. but it, early on.
0: Yeah, but it is just that thing of wanting to fit in. And I think that's just like a human condition. You want to be accepted. So then you're like... <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's so funny, just the idea of you, like, flipping up your oh collar. I don't have
1: to post the picture when we, when we have this. We went whale watching or somewhere. We went on the, the trip, and my collar was up. I said, what the hell was I wearing? Girl, I thought I was so cute with the collar. And I looked at all my white friends. Girl, everybody had it. I used to roll my pants up in the back. I had the clean loafers, put the little point yeah. in. I was like, I was so cool. <laughs> and, I go, and I go home, and they're like, don't nobody dress like that? Yeah. The collar up, and I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> oh my God. That's how all the kids in Wayland do it. Oh, my God. I, I remember, like, reading the preppy handbook, not that it was satire, like, thinking that it was actually that I should use that to figure out what to wear. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God, the but 80s, and, and man. You know
1: I've also heard, like, different uh, parents who I've spoken to since we started the podcast that the kids are like, they'll dress a certain way. Like, the woman called me. She was like, Gloria, my daughter was going to an event, uh, some party in Wayland. She goes, I can't... Um, d- I can't dress like this. I got to change. Mm, but she's actually mm. changing the way she dresses. And she even told me, Mom, you can't drive this car to my friend's house. You have to drive wow. a nicer car. So it saddens wow. me a little bit that the yeah. is still happening. And it happens for all kids. But then right. when you add race into it and you add, um, you know, economic status and, and you know, disparities, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for the yeah, because.
0: Because, I, you know, I didn't have the race thing, but obviously, like, you know, I wanted my parents to buy me guest jeans because yes. that was, like, the cool thing. And they were like, we're not spending how much ever it was on jeans, you know, like I specifically remember my mom getting me like knockoff ones and I was like, Oh, maybe people won't notice or whatever. People noticed, you yeah, know, you notice. yeah. <laughs> so it's you
1: know, like you, yeah. as an adult, I didn't realize this. So my thing is seriously, like I, I say this and I hope I don't offend anybody, but black people take really, you know, a lot of pride in how we dress and how we, we may not have money, but we're going to look good. We're going to yeah. try to, cause that's what we were taught. As I got older, I noticed like some of my my white friends, they'd have name brand and they're like, girl, this is a knockoff. I said, what? But it's the way they carry themselves. They're like, we don't spend money on that. And it's just like, everything's overrated basically. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, they have all of this stuff. And then some of my friends will be like, yeah, uh, some of these are real. And then some of them I just like picked up. And I said, well, I'd, I right. don't know the difference. Right. You mean like a fake like yeah. Prada bag or exactly. something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she has so many like name brand bags and shoes. Right. And, and one day, you know, quite a few people said to me, yeah, actually, this is just like a knockoff. I said, well, girl, you wear it well. Yeah. I did not know <laughs> that, honey. I'm trying to get all that. I'm trying thinking I have to spend the real money when I know I don't have it. Yeah, so totally. I'm like, I'm like, girl, it's overrated. Truly. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> totally. That, that takes age to, to realize that, right? Because especially when you're a teenager, like we're talking about kids that are, you know, in their school years, uh, it's all you want to do is be accepted, you know, with whatever group it is that you're trying to get in with. And so if that means like dressing a certain way or driving a certain car or talking a certain way or drinking, smoking, you know, whatever the, the thing is, you know, and then you're right, you add race into it and the idea of like, living in two places or, you know, going to school in one and living in the other. I mean, that's like just an added stress.
1: Yeah. And so finally, I want to say again to this MECO parent and really other MECO parents that are listening, try to, if you can, try to involve yourself more in the school system in Wayland. And I know it's hard with the commute, but I think it could have made a difference in my life, you know, but my parents Mm -hmm. didn't have the resources at that time. But if I were doing it all over again, I would try to make sure I'm at the parent teacher conference. I would try to make sure that I could attend some of uh, my child's events so that the parents, uh, other parents, white parents, they see that these kids are loved. Right. Mm -hmm. And then teachers, when they see the back to school night, they see the representation, even if it's grandma, even if it's an aunt or uncle to know that their lives matter. And that they're important to you, you know? And so I, you know, for my children have made every effort, you know, the times are different though. And so I thank my parents for everything they did for me, but I was the youngest of five kids. So they Mm -hmm. really couldn't make a lot of the stuff. And really, honestly, they felt like I sent you there, job is done.
0: Right. And also they lived far. It wasn't that they lived five or 10 minutes down the road in the town where you were going to school. It was a whole thing. And then there's traffic and like, you know, coming from Boston to the suburbs, you know, I mean, because the reverse, like my parents never wanted to like take me into Harvard Square or whatever, because they're like, it's there's traffic and we can't be caught on, you know, the Mass Pike at this time or whatever, you know, so I mean... I get it. Like you, uh, you understand too why they weren't able to show up to a three thirty basketball game.
1: Right. I totally get it. But I also yeah. felt lonely back then. And I also yes. felt like, uh, the teacher would be like, Oh, back to school. And I, I mean, I didn't see your parents. Like they would like say like slick comments or if yeah. I needed something. They, they felt like I didn't have support when I did have support. They just couldn't physically be there, but they yeah. supported me every chance they could. But right. I think it sends a message to the teachers, to the institution. Okay, wait, my little son, he matters. And guess what? He's going to play soccer, and I'm going to get him out there. Be a host parent, or I'm coming to a game, or he's going to be, you know, in the chorus or in drama, or he's going to be on the, um, you know, the teams we had the the, um, I forgot the names of it. Like if you would do speech or oh, the debate right. club, you know, right. like that. Like we did the, you know, the American history. We would do stuff for, um politics after you right. to see a, a face that looks like them is important yep. you know yep. and, and i know that they didn't say it but in the back of their mind i thought they probably felt like oh she doesn't really have any family or poor little kid like no one cares no god greg a whole family honey a big right. family like people say right. my mommy and my daddy okay who love right. me uh, truly and just are doing the best they can so i think it's important to try to make yourself present when you can yeah. You know, even if it's just like, okay, I can't make every game, but pick one where you say it's a special day for you and your kid where I got out early and mommy's gonna be there, or daddy's gonna be there, or your aunt or uncle or your grandmother, and it comes back to that village, right? But that there's yep. someone there representing the family.
0: Yep. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, this one kind of is kind of a good one to segue off of that. But this was from a listener who is a teacher in a public school that is very mixed. There's white, there's black, there's brown. And um, he, I think he often has a hard time connecting with some of the black kids' parents, specifically like the single moms. Mm -hmm. And he, and I'm like flattered that he, wanted to reach out and this is mainly to you he's saying can you ask you but as a black woman as a black mother um of things he says what can i do in the opening days of of the school year to better reach black moms and their daughters specifically Hmm. and i don't know he doesn't go on to explain like exactly what issues he was having but you know obviously there's a certain uncomfortable uncomfortableness or, and you know, maybe it's the thing we've talked about a, a lot about not wanting to offend, not wanting to say the, um, the right or wrong thing. Oh, and did I mention he's white? I don't know if I had said that, but he's a white teacher. gathering yeah, that from the question, but, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Right I don't know. <laughs> he could just, just yeah, call I'm, it out. He it is white. Yeah. So yeah. I would first start with suggesting what My daughter's teacher did uh, this year, and she is um, actually, no, excuse me. It was actually uh, last year because there was no, she was actually virtual this whole year. But the previous school year, a teacher, uh, her teacher called in um, uh, the students, the parents, a couple of days before school started, right? And she just did these individual, like, 10-minute conversations with the child and a legal guardian. And so for my daughter, right, I was able to go. And I got to tell you, that was an incredible experience. So the first, this teacher is white. I meet her. She says to me, hello. I say hello, normal conversation. And she gets down toward, like, on her knees to reach my daughter, eye level. And she's like, hi, princess. Aww. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's like, I, I just want to welcome you to my class I just want to welcome you to the school and mom, I want to welcome you and I want to have a relationship with both you and your daughter. Mm-hmm. Now I have three children. I don't, to my knowledge ever had a teacher do it in that way. This felt special. Mm-hmm. And this felt different. And so mm-hmm. I'm not a single mom, right? My daughter comes from a two parent household, but I'm still a black female. I'm mm-hmm. a mother. And this was a white teacher. And what I think she was doing she did it for the whole class, but my daughter's class is mixed. But as a Black woman, it felt different to me. It felt special. It felt like she was coming out of her comfort zone to try to meet me wherever I was at. And mm-hmm. I still hold on to that because what you did is you sparked interest in my daughter's eyes. You made mm-hmm. my daughter feel special. And from there, from that moment on, we built a relationship throughout the school year where I knew that if I had a concern, I could talk to her. She was like, I'm here for anything, good days, bad days, if your daughter's having. If you have any questions, I want to ensure that your daughter has the best academic school year. And it meant, like I said, the world to me. Yeah. So we, she would stay with us. We stayed for a good 10, 15 minutes talking. She walked around the class. She talked to her. She left. And things did arise throughout the school year. And guess what? We, we started a foundation at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Helped to increase this relationship. I'm thinking to myself, what a nice teacher. What a nice impression she left on my daughter. And then when I was leaving, I noticed there were other kids outside and there were other parents. Some, some kids were with their grandma or their dad. But I noticed, Carrie, that she did the same thing. And I said, oh, my goodness, What if teachers could do that? Meet the children where they're at. So I would say to the listener who's asking that question, she's a single mom. She's still a mother. Right. If she were white, would you ask the same question? Right. That's what I want to ask him. Not to make him feel uncomfortable. No, yeah. But I want him to say, listen, treat her like you would want to be treated. But if you could try to meet her where she's at, and that is welcome her treat her with respect and say, I want you to know I'm in this with you to ensure that your daughter has a great school year, to ensure that your son has a good school year. And if there are days and moments in the class where she's not feeling good or he's not feeling well, feel free to shoot me an email. Feel free to text me because I want to make sure that she has a great experience.
0: And I mean, he's an amazing teacher and he's been teaching forever. And I'm sure that he does make some sort of connection. He just seems like that type that would be you know, trying to make a connection in the beginning. And I don't know why he's seeing it as a black white issue. Because maybe you're right that he's assuming that he's going to have a hard time communicating with this black mom. But really, it's just a mom.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to even say he's assuming. I think that he's doing what all of us do. He's afraid. And I want to encourage him, inspire him to say, listen, do what we're doing this brave space. You're, you are a great teacher. And I thank him number one for even trying to try to be conscious, but I'm saying to you take a baby step. And even though you've been teaching for a long time, maybe try this different approach because that's what it is. And fear will help hold you back from so many things, right? Fear is what, why some of your white friends have not contacted their black friends or colleagues because they're fearful of how they may react. And that will cripple you. If you live in fear, if you say, listen, I don't know how she's going to take this. Let me not ask her. I right. don't know what she's going to. And like you said, and I said, she's a mom at the end of the day and she right. wants what you want, what he wants, what I want, what any mother would want for their child. And that is for them to succeed. But that right. backstory is super important. It's not for him to assume, but if you meet her halfway and take a little bit of extra time, you might get to know her a little bit better. You might get to know the kid a little bit better, you know? Right. And then not only that you could say, okay, Guess what? I tried this with 18 parents. I noticed these three right here, they didn't receive me. When I was down, they rejected it. Okay, so guess what? Those are your three projects Mm -hmm. for the next year. You're going to try something different with them because you didn't reach them. And so I'm saying to the teacher, I'm so glad that he asked the question. I'm so glad that he's teaching because I know that uh, teaching is hard. I have so much respect for teachers and people who work in education. And I bet you that single mother, she may feel like he maybe have assumptions in her own mind that maybe right. he not understand her, maybe because he's a male and not a female. Like we all make assumptions that could literally um, uh, prevent us from our growth. And do you think like there's
0: anything specifically that would help just for a white male teacher to connect with a black first grader, a f- girl first grader. Like, is there, I, th- I think that's too, that he's no, like seeing.
1: I, mm-hmm. You know what like, I think? I think that he should treat this young black girl like you would treat the young white girl. But what you yeah. can do is be sensitive to her diversity. Mm -hmm. But she's not looking for special treatment. She wants to feel included. She wants to feel like all the other kids. And I know it's an extra step for teachers. It's hard. But I have educators, as I mentioned, in my family. And they told me, you know, it's hard from their perspective. They said some of these parents don't want to meet us halfway. Some parents come in the class and they have attitudes. And they they give us pushback. And some of these parents that I'm referring to happen to be Black. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean all of the black parents are that way. Right. And there are white parents that come in and think that their kid is the best one in the class and should be treated better than everyone else. So it's the same type of crap we're dealing with. Somebody has money. Somebody doesn't. Somebody knows how to communicate their feelings more that my child should be a priority. And someone just feels like the world's against them. It's still problematic. You know what I mean? And it's still like, you know, as a teacher, it's like, you're not only a teacher, you're a therapist, you're a social worker, you're a cheerleader. I know it's hard. It's a hard job. I think it's the hardest job to have, actually.
0: Totally. And he, you know, and he knows what these kids are going through. And I'll just like share a story that back a few months ago when you did, you read two books at the Katona reading room in New York. And, um, so I sent to him the link like, oh, well, maybe the kids from the class can join because yeah. the, the the two stories were geared towards like, you know, people that look like me or people that are different. Hair love and somebody who looks like me.
1: <laughs> Wait, um, yeah. I love me just because I'm me. Yes.
0: And so um, and he he was like, that's so lovely. This is great. I'll pass it on. But then he was also like, you know most of these kids don't have devices that they can do this on, you know? And I was like, oh, like, there is my, like, white, like, just assuming everyone has a laptop and they can join this thing, you know? And then we were able, with help from the Katona Reading Room, we actually sent all the kids in that class both of those books. And and he, you know, he said that most of those kids don't have books at home. So now they have these two books that – are such great books. And you did such a good job reading them. But that like, I don't know, I'm hoping that we like helped some of those parents or those kids, you know,
1: remember you inspired me like I started off by saying, you know, you know, how many of you like ice cream? Uh How many of you have freckles? Who has long hair? What color are your eyes? And you encouraged me to do that. And I think that made kids feel comfortable to realize that we all um, look different. We all come Uh, from different places, but we're all human beings. And yeah, it's a great icebreaker. Right. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. And that's like, so
0: that's such, I I sort of had done some reading and that was like a thing that is really helpful with younger kids to start talking about differences and race or whatever. And that's a perfect segue, Gloria. I don't even know if you meant to do that, but that was the other question that a listener who's actually someone who grew up in Wayland, the town that I grew up in the town that you went to school in and, and cause we've talked a lot about you and the conversations that you have around the dinner table with your kids and the things that you have to bring up to them because they are black kids in America. And I haven't shared what I talk about around the dinner table. And so this, this listener was kind of just like putting me on the spot, wanting to hear about that. And then, and also, just what are the conversations we white parents can have with our kids around the dinner table to bring awareness and perspective to them and greater change in society? And in no way do I have the answer. But I do think that that thing that you were just saying, that when you start just highlighting people's differences that, you know, and what you did when you read that day was you were like, who who has freckles, you know, or like, who likes ice cream or whatever? And it's, you know there are people that have freckles, there are people that don't, there are people that uh, have dark skin, there are people that have light skin, there are people, you know, and it's just to be able to talk about that and talk about differences. I, I mean, I'll admit, like, I shy away from it. I hate that the, I hate the hate that's going on. And so it's just easy for me to like talk about Star Wars at dinner or, you know, and, and it's like, I don't, but I really do compliment the school that my son is at because I think they talk a lot there. He knows about Asian hate and what's happening now. And there was, there was, um, last night the school put on, um, more of like a celebration event about, um, Asian culture. And, and Ford knew about it and he knew that Asian hate is going on and, you know, and he, he's seven. So he's very simplistic in his explanation, but he's like, you know, people don't like other people because they're Chinese or whatever, you know? And so he's aware that it's happening. And on one hand, it breaks my heart that he's aware that that's happening. But I think it's good that he's aware that that's happening because I don't know that I was aware because I, I, I thought that Martin Luther King fixed everything. Right. I didn't know that there was still hate. I didn't know that you were called the n-word when we were in elementary school. I didn't know that you were pulled over for being black when we were in high school. You know, I I didn't understand why there was a cross burning. I didn't know what that meant. You know, and and I think I was in that bubble and I think there's benefits in a way to shielding your kid. But I think if we're going to make a change and move the needle, we do have to have these conversations.
1: Absolutely. And I think it it is a good thing that Ford is learning now and Mm -hmm. um, that he's having these conversations. And in terms of the dinner table, like when I say the conversations are different, they're also similar. We talk about what would you do today.
0: Right, right. You're not just talking about race. I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just
1: talking about race. and um, But I would say this to the listener, like think about what happened on Capitol Hill right? Mm -hmm. And it was all over the news. And most of the people that were on Capitol Hill that were doing the damage that day were white. And a good example of that is if you're talking to a younger kid and you're watching the news and say, listen, you see what's happening on Capitol Hill? You know, those people are white. They look like us. Mm -hmm. But mommy and daddy, we don't think that is how you should treat people. That is not good that they went into the capital and destroy the property and try to take over the government. And that's not a good thing. So we want you to know when we tell you we look like them, they're white, we're white, but we want to do good in this world. We want you to be a better person. We don't want you. It's okay to disagree with someone. It's yeah. not okay to put your hands on them. It's not okay to destroy property because that, those are not the values that mom and dad want for you that grandma wants for you, that auntie wants for you. It's like nowadays, seeing it for what it is without going too deep, but the fact that you can say they look like us, it's a step in the right direction. Because if you see this and he hears it on the radio and you're in the car with him, or if you see it on TV and say, oh, that's just awful, but you continue to play and you say nothing, there's a couple of things you're saying to your child that you're okay with it. Yeah, you know, and we talk about silence as compliance. That you're agreeing with it, even if you're not, just taking baby steps. I know kids are young, but they're smarter than we think. Yeah, and if we don't say something, we are, we are uh, making it appear like we're okay with it. Right. And that if you see something or something's happening in your life, you can just throw down, you know, uh, the desk. You can just go hit the teacher. You can just like destroy her paperwork because you don't like the grade you got or you don't like that you, you, you had to skip recess because you didn't bring homework. These are little things that we could start to teach now at a young age. You know, right. no different from me saying to my kids at a young age, I said, you know, there are good touches and bad touches. Yeah, right. Right. Had the conversation very young. And I said, even as your mom and your father, like we'll bathe you, but we don't have a right to touch you in a way that's inappropriate, that makes you feel uncomfortable. And that happened at an early age. Yeah. No. And I've said to my kids, there are people in this world that are good and that, that are bad. There are some people that won't like you simply because of the color of your skin. And that's a sad conversation to have with a six and seven, eight year old, but I needed to have it. You know, so maybe the reverse is listen, we are white and some of our struggles are different. We have bad days and we don't always get what we want, but we don't have to deal with the fact that we are being judged because we look different. So what I'd like for you to do is to learn, you know, tolerance and to understand that, you know, we we all look different but because someone doesn't look like us, it doesn't give us the right to, the right to make them feel bad. It doesn't yeah. mean that they're less than us. You know what I mean? Right. Like I said, they're good and bad people in all walks of life. Yeah. Know? No matter yeah. what. But, but, and to, mm-hmm. go
0: ahead. No, no, and just to highlight that people are different no matter what, that white people, you know, there, there's a. I'll, I'll try and find the link, but there's Amanda Gorman yeah. um, does something for PBS c- talking about this, like how to talk to your kids about race. And there's an interesting thing where it's different families and they're kind of like putting their hands in and you can tell that like the mom's hand is a slightly different color than the kid's hand is a slightly different color, you know, because obviously like not all white people have the same exact color skin, not all black people have the same color skin. And so just sort of highlighting that it's like, we're all different. And that should be celebrated, not discriminated, you know. And those are easy things to be able to point out to young kids, you know. And, and we should also link to those two books that you read because I think those are helpful to any, any race to yeah, read And about. then
1: people can see the real titles that we possibly screwed up. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're both so amazing. And, you know, so th- let me those ask you that. are helpful you,
1: too. Yep. Do you think it's okay to talk about privilege Amongst a young child, or a child at yeah. all? Yeah,
0: yeah, I do. I think you're. I think you're right. Like, and I definitely wasn't brought up talking about that. And because I think the word privilege you associated with money, and that's not what white privilege is. It's that I don't have to think about my race. I today, it's you know halfway through the day, I haven't thought about being white. I bet you've thought in some way about being black because you were either like
1: always. Right? Always yeah. yeah. listen. Yesterday, I picked my daughter from school. Now, you know, this lo- this woman has not listened to the podcast, honey. <laughs> like, oh my God. She's like, You look so beautiful. Your hair. And oh, she no. put her hand in my head. And- no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and I said, Oh, baby, you got to listen to Hard Candy and Food Stacks. you put your hand in my head. Don't touch me. And she literally was trying to feel my hair. I was like, That's a no no. And guess what? She was a black woman. <laughs> girl you know better than that honey i know oh, so seriously so just like i just when i just don't want but that's just a great example like I, yeah it always comes up it's right like whether I'm right and so that's white privilege
0: you know that i haven't had to th- think about my race today you know yep. and and so I think that, but I think just the using those words, privilege and disadvantage is hard. I hate when we use it, you know, because it just makes me feel uncomfortable to think of like, you grew up different, disadvantaged. I grew up privileged. I hate it. I hate that. I that's know, like,
1: but maybe it's not the word, but it, it's a conversation. Like I, yeah. you know, the backstory story that I keep telling to you and referring to you about and telling the teacher about it. Do you know, my kids learned early that everyone has a backstory that I've been, that's ingrained in their mind because I'm one of those everyones. I'm mm-hmm. one of the ones that would be in class sleeping and the kids would be laughing because I was so right. damn tired from being up all night and taking the bus and just living a chaotic lifestyle. Right. And no one knew my situation. Right. No one knew that I was spending my dad's money for the reduced lunch to buy candy. So at lunchtime, right. I didn't have lunch. <laughs> right, so right, I was hungry and I had an attitude, you know? But right. I'm saying there's so many backstories that people don't know. And so it and my kids, they don't know anything about Dorchester, by the way. They don't know anything about Mattapan or, or Struggle. They've never experienced that emotion. Thank God for them. But I try to tell them, when you see someone in your class that's like mouthing off with the teacher, don't laugh. When you right. see someone who looks like you that is cutting up, or doesn't look like you don't laugh. Right. And I say to them, that was your mom. And they look at me like in shock. They don't, they think I'm like making it up. And a lot of people in my life, they're like, Gloria, you did not struggle. Like, why are you saying that? Like, they think like, well, who would make this up?
0: Right. Who yeah. Exactly.
1: Right. Yeah, but seriously, right. they understand though. And it's really um, helped my children grow as young individuals and to realize that, you know, um, you're either part of the solution or the problem and they right. individually in their own lives work on being a part of the solution. And I'm so proud of that. Like, not just, I'm saying it because of my kids, but that these kind of uh, values, my husband and I, inst- you know, instilled in them early on, it's important. Now I don't know how much money it's going to make them, but in terms of being rich in their spirit, which is what my yeah. mom always told me about, they're winning at that. They're winning and they're just and they understand and they know that, listen, if somebody might come in, like, you know, usually back in the day, if someone's like loud on a bus, we'd be like, oh, my God, why are they? And I would do it, too. It's like, you don't know what their life is like. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Like, and even when someone says something to you racist, like you, I I just count to two or three in my head and be like, you know what? You obviously are uneducated. You obviously are ignorant. So I'm actually going to count to 10 on you before I Mm -hmm. cut their ass out. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let you be a part of my journey today. I'm not mm-hmm. going to let you bring down my, my joy. I'm actually going to count to 10 and try to understand why you think it's okay to talk to me like that, right. why it's okay. Why do you think it's okay to treat me like that? Right. And so those kind of conversations, seriously, if you want to move the needle, really, and you are a, a white family and you have young children, maybe you don't use the word privilege, but talk about differences. And that difference is yeah. not just black and white. Right. Have, totally. I am not. It's having a little bit more, a little bit less, or having yep. better access or no access. Right. And what right. that access affords you and what someone with no access affords them. And that's systemic racism. And that's the gap that is going to continue to widen if we don't have the conversations.
0: Right. And that's our whole thing is like having those conversations, whether it's with your kids or with your co-workers or with your friends or your friend you've known for 40 years, you know, but I think that's it. It's just like and even if it's uncomfortable and even if you like say the wrong thing, there's no wrong thing because you're making an an attempt,
1: right? Yeah, you're making an effort. You get a pass. And brave, y'all can come on Brave Space. Y'all can say whatever you want. I'm gonna give you, <laughs> a pass, I'm gonna let you say whatever you want, really. And send me questions. It doesn't matter. Don't be afraid. Get it yeah. out there. You know what's good? Write it out. Email us. Say it. And then I'll be yeah. like, yo, you're out of pocket. Or right. You can a <laughs> or make yeah. Out. So, but, but seriously, we all like, and I'm not a therapist, right? I'm not a doctor, but I have this uh, this desire to help make the world a better place. And, and and I love talking about this stuff. It is painful. And literally, I don't know why, but I'm sweating at some point. (laughs) Because I don't want to get canceled. I'm like, am I saying the right thing? No. Yeah. My heart. And, and hopefully that, that goes a long way that people can respect. This is just your opinion, my opinion. Right. Well, and that's,
0: that's the thing that you, like we talked about before that, like, you know, it's a podcast. This is for a small group. And if you don't like it, that's okay. That's okay. But we're, for us, like we think we're trying to have these conversations and we're trying to get this stuff out and, you know.
1: And if someone's listening and they have a different approach um, to a response to some of the questions that we just asked, please send it in. Oh, we'll yeah. I'd love yeah. to know that if there's another way to approach this from a psychological level, from an emotional standpoint, like, we want to know because I, I, I'm i not going to, like, brag, but I think I got it right uh, with my kids. Right, I got it right, right. In terms of uh, moving the next generation forward. Right. And I'm proud of that. And so when people ask me, it's, it's my advice is like, I am a historian in my own right. I am a therapist in my own right. I've raised three kids. I'm raising a younger child. And so my life experience you know, equates me to be able to, to speak on stuff and to say, I can say with confidence that when you meet someone halfway, it works. When you give someone the benefit, it works. When you say mm-hmm. to someone, you know what, we look different, but Hey, maybe we like the same ice cream. Maybe we like, right. the same movie. you know, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Maybe we have something in common and maybe you can be of help to me. And like, Carrie, you, you've taken ally to another level. Like mm-hmm. seriously, like I really was a part of that. Like, this is just a phase and we're not talking about that topic, but it goes to show that you never know what, what can happen if you could just give someone the benefit and take a step out of your own comfort zone and say, you know what? Maybe I need to listen more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite ice cream? Oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, have a couple, I have a couple's. I, have you ever heard of the grape nut ice cream? When we go to- Oh, oh on, the, on the Cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Vanilla yeah. Ice cream and it has a grape nuts in it. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm just playing like I like a maple walnut, but then I'm like a vanilla Ew. wrinkles. I know. Ew. Look at your face. <laughs> Not the maple.
0: I can't get on board with the maple. But like like, like an, I, I do. I, I remember that grape nuts one. And this is another like friendlies. Remember friendlies? I loved that. I loved their butter crunch. But I tend to air more on like the like coffee now. Maybe yes, a peppermint like stick. That. Peppermint stick with chocolate jimmies. Yes, and I like sorbet too. I like
1: sorbet. Oh no, not, you know, sorbet. not sorbet, girl. Sorry. Wait, nope. I, I have to make people laugh. Like how we said this on a, a while back about the uh, the candy. How you know I don't really eat candy, and you're like, oh no, me and Ford, we like candy. That <laughs> That's <is> so funny. <laughs> oh
0: my god, we were on that the thing I was talking about last night, celebrating Asian heritage, eating Mike and Ike's. So right, yeah. there we you go. <laughs> You've been listening to hard
1: candy and fruit snacks with my mom, Gloria, and my mom, Carrie. This episode was produced by Carrie Clifford, Gloria Harrison, Katie Levine,
0: and an ACL joint production.
1: Tune in next time to hear more from our moms. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.